0: You are listening to the Revive the World Ministries podcast. We hope this message encourages you to be all God created you to be so that you can impact the world around you with the love and power of God. For more information about us, you can visit our website at revivetheworld.org or visit us in person each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. We hope to connect with you soon. Nothing like his presence, right? <clears throat> his presence always reminds me that he's, he's here, he's present. <clears throat> he never goes anywhere. I know sometimes I don't always experience him like I do in other times, but uh, the longer that I'm in this, the more I experience him. Some people say, well, you can't live by experience. I would say that you can't live without it either. <laughs> Otherwise, I just have a head knowledge of who Jesus is, and knowledge puffs up, but love edifies, and I need to experience His love, not just know about it. <laughs> I'm going to share a testimony with you that, that uh, goes along with this theme, and then I'm going to talk to you today again about, I talked two weeks ago, Joe carried on the series last week with honor. I'm going to talk about honor today, too, at least that's the plan, uh, but yesterday, I got to, so I'm teaching at Revive School of Transformation this year. Uh, some of you may, who's familiar with the Revive School of Transformation? It used to be Indianapolis School of Supernatural Ministry. And it changed the name to Revive School of Transformation. So they asked us before, uh, they said, hey, would you mind if we use the name Revive? And we're like, nah, Seem fitting. If you don't do it, somebody else probably will. So, um, so some, sometimes people get us confused. They're like, hey, do you have a school? <clears throat> I'm like, well, not exactly. Um, but um, orientation was yesterday, and so if you want to sign up for the school, you, you, may, you may be too late, but I do know a guy, so you, I may be able to get you in uh, last minute. <clears throat> it's a possibility. So after orientation was over, there was uh, a lady who had, had been in a car accident, and her upper and her lower back was in pain. She had been rear-ended in a Starbucks. I think somebody had uh, one too many espressos, and they backed out really fast into her. <laughs> and uh, um, So she was, in, she was in pain, and, and uh, me and some other people prayed for her, and Jesus healed her. Uh, all pain completely gone. It was, it was amazing. All, um, so after that, there was a lady that was standing there who has had uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I say that right? Um, for the last three years, was diagnosed with it three years ago, has had a tumor uh, wrapped around the bottom of her spine. Uh, If you're in the medical field or know anything about medicine, you know that's inoperable, right? So it's around the bottom of her spine and it's going down her left leg. And so for the last three years, she's been in severe pain. Anytime she touches that area, it's like shooting pain, and then she's not able to, like, bend over, like, bend back, move her leg, pick stuff up that's even remotely heavy. She's like, hey, could you pray for me? She told us, she's already a walking miracle because she's not supposed to be walking. Um, but chemo, she did chemo for as long as you're allowed to, and the chemo didn't shrink the t- tumor. Um, the tumor didn't, or the tumors didn't grow during that time, but they didn't shrink either. So radiation was the next option she really didn't want to go with. So we prayed just a simple prayer for her, and then I, I I'm watching. I always watch people when I pray for them. That's one thing that I was taught. Um, it's, you can see the Holy Spirit moving on people sometimes when you're watching when you're praying for them. Uh, you can also see if they're getting ready to collapse if you're watching when you're praying for them, which is really important uh, inside and outside the church. Uh, somebody drops in the, the aisle at Kroger. You're gonna somebody. You know, you might be having some explaining to do. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, I always watch for him to get wobbly too, if the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm watching her and she just starts to weep. And I'm like, that's probably good. And she pushes on it and she says, the pain is gone. The pain's gone. She starts moving. She's moving her legs. She's moving backwards. She's doing all these she's bending over, all these things she couldn't do before. She's like, there's no pain anymore. And I'm like, yes. We don't know exactly what that means. But she does have a PET scan in, in November, so we will find um, it wouldn't be the first time we've seen God heal inoperable, inoperable cancer. So he's just good, right? We just celebrate that. So if anybody needs anything in the room right now, like you, you know a testimony prophesies into your situation, and the, the root word of testimony in the Hebrew literally means to do again. Like that's he wants to do it again. He wants to do it more than we want him to. So if you need healing in your body right now, You can just reach up and grab that. As a matter of fact, yeah, we just pray right now. Father, if there's anybody that needs healing, just receive. We thank you for bringing complete restoration, healing, kids that are at home or any family members that may have cancer. Uh, We thank you for complete healing and restoration to bodies right now. We thank you for the wholeness that Jesus paid for coming into the room and into every family member or friend that we have that's sick right now. We thank you for it. Yeah, thanks, to Jesus, for wholeness. We release your presence and your peace into the bodies that need it now. In Jesus' name, thanks, Lord. Amen. <clears throat> if you would, do, do something with me. Humor me for a moment. We're just going to do a little exercise, and we're just going to acknowledge Jesus. If you want to close your eyes, you can. You don't have to. You just want to hold out your hands and we're just there to acknowledge him and if you if you would say this with me say jesus we acknowledge you as lord of our lives as king we welcome you we bow before you <laughs> hmm. yeah that's it yeah we just honor you king jesus Thanks, Jesus. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Jesus. Thanks Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks Jesus. Hey Ricky, I felt like I was supposed to give you in April some some confirmation and encouragement that the move that y'all made was by God's design, and that it was um, this move put you in the place that God wanted you to be for for a while now. And actually, the um, there's more pieces to the puzzle coming of the blueprint. Uh, design that you guys have been asking for of, of what's next and, and how do we even how do we you know develop these these gifts that you've given us as kids and um, how do we raise them the way, you know in the way that you want them to be raised and all that all those pieces I feel like some of them have come but I feel like there's more that are coming um, and I feel like that there's going to be um, lots of wisdom that come to you guys in the, in this season and the season ahead um, to to help other people too in some of these areas, and, um, and, in the, and in the medical field, too. I don't know what that's going to look like, but he, he puts you there on purpose for, sur- for sure. <laughs> Hopefully that makes sense to you. Uh, yeah. So did you feel when we acknowledged Jesus as Lord and as King, did you experience him? Did you experience peace, or however you experienced him, was there that suddenly where you're like, okay, yeah, this is Jesus? You, you know what that's called? That's called that's called honoring the one who is worthy of honor, right? When when the king comes in the room, you bow before him, right? And that doesn't always have to be a, a physical thing. Even though in the Old Testament, the picture of it in, in kingdoms where kings stepped into the room or even on a platform in front of a crowd, people bowed before them because they were they were worthy of of honor. Even though a lot of times that that honor came through them, causing fear in people. Now our king is different. He doesn't even actually call for honor. He doesn't even actually ask you to honor him. But you just inherently know because we were designed to bow before him. You know that that's what you're supposed to do. It's just like when, so when I when I honor him, I add the proper value to him. Like he's he's the king. He's Jesus. He's Lord of my life. And when I honor him, I actually put him in the appropriate place. All right? And that's, that's where he's supposed to be. And so honor is, is something that we were inherently designed to do, not just towards Jesus, but actually towards all of humanity. I believe that, and we believe here, that the culture of honor is one of the most important influential and primary cultures in the kingdom that we are to carry as believers. Now, if you look around, you would think that it was one of the most lacking cultures that we see currently in our American culture. Well, if that's anyone's fault, it's the churches. I'm not trying to place blame. I'm just pointing out the fact that we get to, and this, this is happening more and more, this is increasing. The culture of honor is increasing within the church so, so don't miss what I'm saying. But we are the example of what honor looks like in the world. If they don't get it from us, they won't get it. Unless Jesus supernaturally gives it to them, in which he absolutely can. Because over the longer that I'm a Christian, the more I realize he doesn't need as much as my help as what I thought he did. <laughs> but he chooses. But that, that, that can't be a cop-out. Like, well, Jesus will just get it done if I don't do it. That is a dangerous thought process because then it relieves me of my privilege and responsibility to carry the gospel to people around the world. In my neighborhood, first and foremost, in my household, in my neighborhood, at the store, right in my city. And if you're called to places that are further, then that's a privilege and responsibility that I get to carry. I can't just say, well, Jesus will do it. If I don't, even though that's true, but I'm telling you that that train of thinking has crept its way into the church. And like leaven, a little bit of leaven, leavens the whole lump, right? It's like it spreads. yeast spreads quickly. And then it's like, well, I don't, I don't have to do anything. No, you, you don't have to. You get to. <laughs> I get the privilege of actually representing him in the world. And I believe that we owe, we owe the world an encounter with love. And and through that, so I'm gonna read some scripture in a second. Through that, we owe them an, an encounter of what honor looks like. So we just celebrated 9/11 yesterday, right? Celebrates probably another right word. We remembered 9/11 yesterday, and we honored those that paid with their life. Uh, I was watching the Yankees and the Mets. They were having the Subway Series. If you know anything about baseball, and obviously New York was affected by it the most, and they honored heads of every department of people that paid with their lives to, to help with that. Now, regardless of your your favorite baseball team, they call baseball the uh, American pastime because it has helped us through, like it did through 9-11, it's helped us through the, some of the hardest times this country's ever had, because it got people's minds off things. They go to a game, they can listen to a game on the radio, have fun, right? I was, some of y'all don't remember listening to a game on the radio. <laughs> I remember my grandpa doing some of that stuff, and I'd be like, there's so much anticipation, right? I'd like to see the game. <laughs> I'm like, worst way in the world to, to, uh, to watch a game is to have to hear it or wait for your app to refresh when you don't have the channel. <laughs> but we, we, uh, we honor... Right, we, this, that's, this is a good example of of what we do to people that serve our country. We honor them, and a lot of times, our perspective of honor is shaped by what we, what we, in my opinion, should do to for the men and women who have been willing or have paid with their lives to to allow us to have the religious freedoms in in our country. We have Mike. Will you stand? Is there any other veterans in the room right now besides Mike? Mike, will you stand? Are there any other people that have served, served our country? Johnny and Stan. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you all so much. That, that is, that, that's a, that to me when we do that is, is really important. Because I wouldn't have the religious freedoms that I have, or the person that doesn't believe in Jesus, the freedoms that they, they still have. Those men and w- women, men and women that have paid with their lives or have been willing to pay with their lives, paid for people to have free beliefs, right? To believe what they want. And they tell you that. But when we acknowledge them, we are respecting what they did. And kingdom honor looks different than respect. Because I can respect you, and it, at least it would be an outward sign of something that I am not necessarily feeling internally. All right? It's like you may have heard that you can love somebody and not like them. <sighs> Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't say that about us? <laughs> he loves you and likes you. He loves you sonship, or like I say, like to say daughtership. He likes you friendship. It's real important that I know both. But I can respect somebody and not have that internal, my internal world may not have changed for me, even when I was lost and begging for hell, like I was able to respect the flag. I was able to respect our men and women that serve our country when I knew little to nothing. When I wasn't even respecting myself, I was able to show them respect. The simple things, remove your hat or, you know, stand at attention, acknowledge, be quiet when, they're you know, whatever that is at a game or. So I was able to do that. And so sometimes we adopt that and that is one form of honor, but it is not kingdom honor. And so I would like to read to you out of Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 8, and I want to propose to you that kingdom honor starts with, just like everything else, it starts with love. It starts with, it's driven by, actually in action, it looks like love. <clears throat> Philippians chapter 2, verse, verse 1, I'm reading, the uh, you know what, I'm going to read out of NASB. This is the 95 version. I don't even know the difference between the 95 and the 2020 or the original. So maybe one of you scholars could help me out. (laughs) I haven't felt a difference yet. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in Spirit, intent on one purpose. Let me read verse 2 again. This is going to be a side note. Make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. You see how it says united in one spirit and intent on one, pur- intent on one purpose. Both of those things point to unity. Unity is one of the most vitally important things that we are to fight for within the body of Christ. I can tell you that now, just like during election time and since, there is something that seeks to divide us as the body of Christ. There's always something that is seeking to divide us, whether the denominational names, churches, belief systems. There's always, the, you know why? Because the enemy is seeking, his number one purpose, one of his number one purpose is to divide people. And he's intent on dividing the body of Christ because he's terrified of what it will look like when we stand united together, regardless of our belief systems, regardless if you believe in the gifts, and, or I do and you don't, or you do and I don't. It's almost I'm sorry, I couldn't even keep a straight face. <laughs> if somebody else does it and I do. <laughs> if you don't believe in, in tongues or whatever it is, you know what I mean? If you believe in pre-trib, post-trib, whatever, whatever it is. So For so long, we've allowed things to divide us. And now God is actually beginning to, worldwide, He is beginning to, to unite us. We're seeing that happen. Um, I believe it's going to continue to increase uh, in the days ahead. And then in the next five years, I believe we're going to see the greatest move of unity that we've ever seen in the body of Christ. And I believe one of the things that we're going to continue to gather around is, is worship. Is that we can all set our belief systems aside when we come into like our worship nights that we do. And we see lots of people from around the region come. And regardless of what we believe, we we all agree that he's worthy of worship, right? And I believe that that's going to continue to happen. And it's actually going to bring down divisional walls that have been up for a, a long time. And God's been, he's been chipping away at them as much as mankind will allow him to. And it's going to continue to happen. So there's been things that have sought to divide us since the beginning of of time, and now we also have something else that seeks to to divide us. So I'm going to address the. I didn't really want to do this, but I feel like I'm supposed to. I'm going to address the elephant in the room, so to speak. Is that there's there's a, a vaccine that they desire for us to have, and that lots of people agree or disagree. But I can tell you this: the what the regardless of what you believe about that particular vaccine, it actually my opinion in the kingdom matters little to none truth is is what's foundational this is what prevails and so if we will if we allow it to this s- another I, I know i'm going to call it a silly thing i know that, that may I, I know that it c- could be serious or whatever it is but if we allow it to it will divide us and I can tell you that the Father's heart is never for us to be divided over anything, over absolutely anything. So I, I implore you to put your opinion aside about this situation that is happening globally. And seek the Lord on your own personal convictions and allow them to be your own personal convictions. So that, just like during the election, it does not divide us. You remember in Mark chapter 8 when Jesus said, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. Right? He said the religious system and the political system. Be aware. And and then he switched the conversation to talking about bread because the disciples thought, oh, he's talking about we forgot bread. He's like, okay, if you want to talk about bread, we'll talk about bread. But he was warning not just them, he was warning us that if you're not careful, this, like leaven, will get into every area of your, your kingdom system and it will cause division within the body. Now, both of those, the, the religious realm and the political realm, which if you didn't know, we're actually not supposed to be part of the religious realm. <laughs> Because <laughs> we weren't created to be religious, <clears throat> and God's working religion out of out of us. It's one of the things that because religion's meaner than sin, and we—it's just a nasty spirit that's driving um, so much of the narrative all over the world. That's why people have been dying in the Middle East for thousands of years. I believe it's that spirit that's driving driving things, and so the, those. W- We are of a a kingdom realm and of a kingdom nature. And the more that we actually get this particular topic, let me say it like this. The more that I understand my nature in Christ, the less I will allow things to divide me that I have even strong opinions about, right? Or personal convictions about. That I can have a strong personal conviction that is opposing to your personal conviction and we can still walk together. But for so long in our nation, and it's been a part of the church for far too long, is that I say, well, if you and I don't agree, then we can't even be in the same building and worship Jesus together. Does that sound anything like our Father? That's not who He is. And so I don't need to... I don't need to. I know we got the freedom to speech, but you know what I've learned is that my freedom to be quiet as, is as important, if not more important, than my freedom to be able to speak. <laughs> I'm not saying be a doormat. Don't stand up for what you believe. I'm not saying any of that, but I'm saying that seek, with, seek counsel from the Spirit of God in people that are in your life that are more mature you, than you in Christ and saying, how do I approach this particular situation? What's it look like for me to honor the people that are around me that disagree with me on this particular topic? That is what is going to be the demonstration that our nation needs to ignite it in the revival of family. That Because families united. I mean, the word is, most of us think family, and you think, my gosh, I can't even go. I don't even like going to the... Family picnic, or what? You know what I mean. Whatever it is, because we don't get along well enough. Can I tell you that that's not what family was supposed to be? It just happens to be what it is for some of us. It's not healthy kingdom family, and so we're learning more and more what healthy kingdom family is. And the core, the 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 very foundation of it is honor, because it is is it, it's the the figurative glue. <laughs> That That holds us together. And, and this is why. let me let me continue. Verse three, let nothing be done through uh, hold on, Read down the wrong version. Verse three, <laughs> too many Bibles up here. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. That's pretty good. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be grasped or something to cling to. He was willing to release it while he walked planet Earth, even though he was fully God, fully man at the same time. And it's fully okay if we can't fully comprehend that. (laughs) But he walked the earth as man, full of the Holy Spirit. Verse 7, but he emptied himself. That's what it's talking about. And taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Talk about humility. Being being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death of the cross. Let this mind be in you, which was also in, in Christ Jesus. If we look at what Joe taught on last week when he talked about the, the word, word honor in the Hebrew, actually means it means glory, right? Isn't that what you said? It, it means glory. It translates glory. In the Passion Translation of verse 7, it says, instead, of, instead, he emptied himself of his outward glory by reducing himself to the form of a lowly servant. If you tie those two words together, honor and glory, you could say that Jesus, when he came to planet earth, was not saying, honor me. I actually came to honor you. (laughs) He emptied himself of everything that demanded, that demanded. Because if you look at verse 9, it says that he, that's why God gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. There will come a day when everybody wi- wi- will bow. <laughs> we get to bow by choice now. And there will come a day when, when he steps on the scene and it's it's it will be involuntary. You see what I'm saying? Because he's going to come in a form that we've never seen him before. I don't care how often we've seen him, we've never seen him how he will come then. In his fullness even though I'm really looking forward to it. <laughs> and so it says, let this mind, or like this, think like Jesus did. That though he was God, he actually humbled himself to the point that he was willing to come on the earth as the most vulnerable human possible, which is a baby, where he actually has to be cared for by someone else. This is Think, think about this for a moment. He was God. And he comes as a form of a baby. I mean, he literally couldn't do anything but what babies do. Cry, sleep, eat, use the bathroom. Right? You think, I don't know, did Jesus cry as a baby? Probably. But they, they are totally dependent on someone else. So that, I mean, for God, that's a, that's a serious Humbling. <laughs> But yet, sometimes I think my opinion is more important than someone else's. That's why it points us to let this mind be in you, let it. He's saying it's actually a choice that we have. If you will will surrender to the new nature that you have within you through being born again, you will see that this mind, the mind of Christ is what the Bible calls it, will actually function in you at full capacity if you will allow it to. And it will cause you to think and respond and act in everyday life the way that Jesus did while he was on planet Earth. He emptied himself of everything demanded to be honored. And he says, You do the same thing. He said, Well, I deserve. You know what I think about when I think about what I deserve? <sighs> if not for the cross, <laughs> I, I, I deserved something. A lot further south. <laughs> right? But it's easy when we, when we work hard and we, we start to do things that are not recognized. And, and then we, we start to think, I deserve this. And that is in my human nature. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't get it. But I'm saying, well, my thoughts turn inward to what I deserve. selfishly That's selfishness. It actually turns back to a nature that's been nailed to the cross. Dead. Supposed to be dead. And the the only way that, that I can actually operate out of the true honor of honoring others the way that Jesus did is for me to remain dead to self. Which is the same way that I am able to operate out of the fullness of love. Because you and I were created in the image of love. We were born again. Our sin nature was cut away, as it says in in Colossians 2. And lots of other scriptures that I could give you. (laughs) And that old nature of, of selfishness and sinfulness. And can I also say, of dishonoring people was supposed to die at the moment that you and I got born again. Because for me to dishonor somebody is to devalue them. Because for me to honor them is to value them the way that the Father values them. So for the opposite of that is for me to devalue devalue them. When I honor somebody, I apply the appropriate value to their life, which is the Father's love. Jesus said, I love you this much. And he wasn't talking to just a few people or just a few thousand people, but he was talking to all of humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave He said, this is what you're worth. And so then you and I get commissioned to love and therefore honor or apply the correct value to. When I unintentionally or intentionally dishonor somebody, what I'm doing is I am devaluing them and saying, you're not worth love. But I am. I never want to do that again. Conviction is, a, is, is not a dirty word. It's a beautiful invitation into, a deeper into my new nature where you and I were created to live from every moment of every day of our lives. And it comes through us transforming our minds more and more with truth. If I believe that I don't have the ability to love and honor somebody, I will not tap into the grace that is readily available for me all day, every day, in abundance to live from a place of love and honor for every person. But if I don't believe that, then that will be my reality. Because that that truth, even though it's not the truth, it is our truth, it will continually transform our minds, and have a neural pathway that that the thoughts travel to say, I'll choose to honor and love who I think deserves it. Or when I feel good, I'll do it. Now, I'll tell you that something that I still work on is that some, there's still moments when my feelings will dictate the way that I react. I'm the only, only one in the room. <laughs> right? But it, it's not made to be that way. Though that's my experience, it's not my kingdom reality. And that's the good news is that when something like this convicts me, because every time I I study and prepare to be able to teach, there's so much that convicts me and points me to my new nature. And it says, it's about time somebody clapped. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So every... It, it points me to more of my new nature because this is, this is a process, but I don't believe that it's a lifelong long process. Even though we'll be growing for life, there are some of these things that are to be foundational for us, and one of them is honor. And that my responsibility is to let it, let this mind be in me. I need to choose to allow this truth to transform my mind so that honor is the thing that is the filter that everything flows through. That honor is the thing that everything, when I, when I look at you, this is, this is what's supposed to happen. Let me read this to you. <clears throat> so many verses I want to read to you. I'm going to read 2 Corinthians 5, verses 13 through 16. For if we are beside ourselves, or as some translations say, if we are not in our sound mind, Uh, it is for God, or if if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us. For we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves. But for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet we now know him thus no longer. I love that passage because it points out two of the most important things to me personally in the Christian life, is that I am to be compelled, well, three, that in verse 13, that sometimes it may appear to you that I'm out of my mind. (laughs) But I might just be having a really good time with Jesus. (laughs) And then when I need to function and communicate, we'll we'll get back to it. (laughs) But in verse 14 this is this is the key to me is that i, I am compelled by everything that drives me is, is the love of the father because as i said i owe i owe the world it says in, in romans chapter 13 verse 8 owe no one anything except to love one another i owe a debt of love to the world i know we don't work to attain what what jesus what jesus gave us there's no performance necessary i receive everything by faith But the Bible tells me that I owe a debt, and that debt is love. And that and then it goes on in Romans 13 and it talks about the law and it says and it mentions commandments. And then it says, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you will fulfill all of the requirements of the law. That's the new requirement, is is loving people, and then that demonstrates. That, the, love, that the, the law is now actually written in my heart. It's not something that I'm trying to keep by performance because I can't earn anything from the Father. He loves me because He loves me because He loves me. <clears throat> and so I owe the world a debt of love, and along with that, I believe that I, I owe them an encounter with power. The Christianity is not, is not a powerless life. That is a life of miracles. And that regardless of what we've seen demonstrate, demonstrated in the realm of power or people that have lived outside of their character or nature or made poor choices and still operate in power, that does not excuse me to not operate in power myself. Just because they misuse something, people have misused the Bible for a long time, that doesn't make it bad, right? And so now I, I have a responsibility because I believe that an encounter with love is an encounter with power. That miracles are supposed to come through love, and just like we've seen cancer destroyed, and like I mean, blind eyes see, deaf ears, um, bones literally grow out or come back together, right? Like lungs healed, just all kinds of crazy stuff from fibromyalgia. Uh, I mean, whatever it is, we've seen so many miracles, but yet there's still so much more for us to explore within the kingdom. And so I'm constantly, acti- I'm constantly asking for more and looking for opportunity to demonstrate the love and therefore power of God to those that are around me. Because every time I do that, when I am compelled by love, it will be a connection to his heart. And that is what demonstrates the value that they hold within said heart. When I demonstrate His love to them, it's it's honoring them and saying, here's the value that you have. Come and explore how the Father feels about you. You're invited in. Everybody's welcome, right? And so in in verse 16, this is one of the ways, I'm going to wrap up with this. This is one of the ways that I am able to see The image of God in people that are acting outside of their nature or character that's supposed to be in Christ. You run across people on a daily basis that make you mad, aggravate you, right? The more we grow in Christ, the less that will take place. I'll catch that aggravation and say, okay, they don't aggravate you, they're not supposed to aggravate me. Or sometimes the very thing that aggravates me is the thing that's supposed to help me be transformed in this season. Like the agitation from the washing machine. Those of you, some of you can remember the agitator that we had in the in the washing machine when there was only top loaders. <laughs> I remember that's when I learned how to do laundry back then. That was before front loaders. That was before they removed that agitator so that you could fit more clothes in it, right? I've been doing laundry for a long time since I was was a teenager. (laughs) I was actually forced into doing my own laundry for a while and ironing my own clothes and doing all that stuff. It was good for me. But that agitator is what caused the clothes to make it possible for them to be cleaned. Sometimes that agitation in my life is the very thing that is to work up out of me the thing that I'm I'm not even created to live from. Or it's to get something out of my, my, it's something of my old nature that's hanging on a little bit too long and needs to go. There's always, everyday life, God uses practical things to point me to or to point us to our, our new nature in Him. And Say, this isn't, if, if it, it doesn't demonstrate love, if it isn't compelled by love, if it doesn't demonstrate righteousness, if it's not holiness, then it's, it's not part of my new nature. And he's, he's got a plan. And it's not condemnation and it's not shame. It's transforming my mind with truth. It's me believing better, not me trying harder. Always about me believing better. And so one of the ways that I'm able to see the people around me and oftentimes see myself, because you ever, you ever do something that's outside of your nature or character in a moment, maybe nobody else was around to see it. And then all of a sudden you feel like you're not worth love. Nobody else knows it. There's things that you probably, you got, you got hidden still. <laughs> you're like, I know there's things that I've done since I was a Christian and I haven't told people. All right? I've been forgiven. It's gone. But when I did it in that moment, I thought there's instant shame. And then I would start to, maybe you've never done this, but then I would start to perform and start to earn God's love again. I'm like, man, I better go out and pray for people, go out and prophesy to somebody, see somebody healed, get somebody saved. But it was all in reaction to something that I did that was wrong because I felt like I needed to earn myself back into his good graces, which wasn't true. But it was my belief system. It was my truth. wasn't the highest form of truth because there sure wasn't much hope in it. So sometimes I needed to be able to tap into what verse 16 said for me, is that I no longer regard anyone according to the flesh. That I no, one translation says, I no longer look at anyone according to their outward appearance. I'm going to actually take the liberty to say, I no longer, I no longer look at anyone according to their, their religious, political choices. I no longer look at anyone according to the things that they're doing or their personal convictions in their life. But I actually look past that into the image of God that is on the inside of every single person, Christian or not yet saved is what I like to call them. And I can see the value the Father placed in them. There's gold in there. And when I, when I remember this particular verse, I can see... What he placed on the inside of them. I can look past all that stuff that's on the outside just the way Jesus looked past it in me because I was an absolute mess, train wreck, when Jesus saved me. (laughs) Suicidal, schizophrenic, addicted. Like I was way, way far gone. Like (laughs) they thought I was going to do life on the installment plan. And, and, and he comes in in a moment and never mentioned anything that was on the exterior. It was all really obvious to me. <laughs> like, even I knew I was messed up. And he didn't point any of that out. He, he pointed to the value that I had in me. And by pointing to the value, he connected me to the Father's heart. And what he did that I didn't know then, but looking back now I know, is that he honored me. And Jesus said, let me actually put you in the place that I paid for you to be in. Right here, seated with me in heavenly places. Let me put you in Ephesians 2.6. You're seated now. If you're in Christ, you're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. I couldn't believe that for years because I thought, no way. You know why? Because I thought, I don't deserve that. He says, that's true, you don't, but I said you're worth it, and that's all that matters, so quit thinking about what you deserve and start thinking about what you're worth because that's where true humility sets in, not false humility. False humility comes when I think about what I deserve and say how wretched I am and how horrible a person I was, and I use that as my testimony now. I think more about what I'm worth, and then it actually causes me to want to get low, below, and esteem you Or acknowledge you as better than me. Because I know the only way I got in the position that I'm in is by grace. And when I remember that, I will honor the people that are around me. I will look at them with the eyes of the Father and I will see that they are valuable regardless of their choices, regardless of where they're at in life, regardless of what they're doing or how they're acting or how they even treat me currently. I will recognize what's on the inside of them and I'll say, you're worth, you're worth love. You're worth love. You can reject me. I'm still going to love you. You can talk bad to me. I'm still going to love you. You can look at me like I'm crazy and I'm still going to love you because I know, regardless if it happens in this moment or not, that love is going to be the thing that destroys all that stuff that's holding on to you that's not supposed to be because it's way more powerful than what the devil's throwing at you. Staying with me. <clears throat> As I close in prayer I just want us to meditate on the fact that you and I have the ability to honor every person around us including ourselves because we have within us the ability by grace to love every person around us including us those two things are inseparable and the more i meditate on that the more it transforms my mind and the more i'm able to do it effortlessly which is the way it was supposed the way it is supposed to be now if it's not effortless right now that's okay cuz it's not effortless for me but the more i do it the easier it becomes it becomes more and more like second nature because it is it is my new nature so father thank you so much for a room full of people who you are empowering through the truth to look like you to the world around them. Thank you for what you have invited us into. Thank you for the highway of honor by which all things kingdom flow. We let the same mind that was in Christ be in us. We choose the mind of Christ that you have made available to us through your grace and through your mercy. Holy Spirit, help. (laughs) Help us to shut down and get out of agreement with lies and choose to and come into agreement with truth that will transform our minds to live from this place of love and honor that you made us to live from. I thank you for even this week us recognizing a change as we're able to more effortlessly love and honor those that are around us and I thank you for when it doesn't feel like it's going to be effortless that we have a choice because we're powerful people. And we can choose powerful truths like this even when we don't feel like it. Thank you, Father, that more and more quickly that our our feelings will not be dictating our behavior. But like they're supposed to, they will be an indicator of what we are believing. So I bless the process that every person's in. Regardless of where they're at, I thank you Father, for helping each and every one of us celebrate our progress. Celebrating our progress like you are. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for what you're doing in every family. Thank you for health and healing. Thank you for demonstrations of your kindness and your goodness to them and towards them. And Thank you. our new nature in Christ. As we go about this week, I pray, Holy Spirit, help us to partner with you in demonstrating love and power to those that are around us. That we would see an increase of the miraculous in our lives. And let us not forget that sometimes practical love to a stranger is, is pretty miraculous. So thank you for the increase upon the family here and those that are watching and all things of you. In Jesus' name. Thanks, Lord. Amen. Thanks, Jesus.